you ever hear a young actor ask George Burns if he had any advice in show business? <laughs> George Burns no. said, stay on fountain. Uh, Thank you. Oh, hang on. Where's my... I love that. That's what I do. I know, I, I know fountain. <laughs> I know that. That was one of my favorite shortcuts. Okay, so here's something. Well, we'll just get into this. We both worked in show business a million years. Uh, I've even worked some jobs parallel to you, I would say. Mm-hmm. What, you do a lot of things in your life. But one thing you do is a job called locations manager. There's no reason for people outside of show business to know what that is, but I know what it is. So why don't you tell me what a locations manager does and how you've managed to avoid prison? Well, um, to start, I I, uh, I did one of those things that um, I painted for. I've been making art forever, and and uh, You're an excellent painter, by the way. Love your, you, I love your artwork. Thanks, buddy. And. Uh, and one of the things that I thought that's what I, I did every odd job on the planet in order to keep material and pay the rent. I, I managed buildings so I didn't have to pay rent. I did all these things. And I said uh, to my HP, uh, if there's something else you want me to do, show me. <laughs> and uh, a guy showed up and he offered me a job and, and it ended up being uh, his assistant doing locations. And uh, that was the beginning. I did um, – I did everything. He hated the job. Now he's a very successful jeweler. And so he had me do everything. And so I, I scouted and helped with the budget. I set up, uh, I prepped and set up locations. I managed the locations. Before I, you get too deep into it, I do want to interject that I uh, I moved to Hollywood in the mid-80s in the heyday of rock music videos. Yeah, man. There were billions of these little movies being filmed all over town. And it was work for all. It was low budget pretty much, but, but, uh, tons of work if you wanted to, you know, grind your way into the business. So whenever I'm at my brother's house in LA today and somebody shows up with a clipboard going, we'd like to park out in front of your house. Can yeah. we have permission? And the, like tears in their eyes. I'm like, hand me the clipboard. I'm signing. Cause I was that. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Dumb kid. I knocked on a lot of doors. <laughs> so I'm very, I'm very, now in, in New Mexico where I live now, people come out to the film set, bring you homemade cookies and introduce their family to you in LA. They're so battered by, you know, you guys show up with your trucks and wreck the parking and nobody can uh, get into my front door. So it's hostile kind of at it, the outset. It was tough, but the, the, those things that you had just mentioned, I made sure that nobody parked in front of a driveway that I paid people that I use their driveways. I, I did all those things because I learned early on from some very good teachers that if you want to go back to a place or allow somebody else to go back to that location, uh, do it the right way. So I was called the 100% guy because I always got around 100% signatures to be able to film at a place. Wow. And then I showed them how it would be do how how to do it in a successful way that they wouldn't be too impacted. And I carried that out. I can go to every I can go back to every location I ever did. And they'd be happy to see me. Now, yep. some of them don't ever want to do filming again because they can't believe the process is so tedious and difficult and uh, on all impact a lot of people uh, positively and negatively. And when it's negatively for me, I did big enough shows where I could compensate them right. or do something for them. But, you know, in terms of the job itself, you know, you first you get a script, you break it down. Where are you going to find the locations? What do you have to do at those locations? And then you f- start to find it, take the director of production designer around, 
Then you start to, once they make the choices, you start to break it down into, uh, where do I put parking? I look at these all while I'm doing it, but where do I park everybody? Where's catering? Can I park the trucks on the street? Where do I park them? How can I make it all flow? Who are I got one. Yeah. Are the power lines high enough? Are the power lines high enough? Are there too many tree branches? Tree in branches, the way? that's right. Uh, how many barking dogs are there in the neighborhood? How many motorcycles are in the neighborhood? I had a woman in Baltimore on a movie that a dog started barking and she looked at me and she said, Oh, that's Joey. That's Emily's dog. She knew every dog that barked. She knew whose dog it was. <laughs> oh. I mean, I love this gal. She was amazing. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. Uh, okay. So here's the part that interests me. And, and I've heard you say that you brought your recovery in, into the gig is to me, you're a remarkably low stress guy. You are very, you got a very comforting, placid demeanor. You're not checked out. You got your eyes and ears open, but you're not yapping all the time and you get you don't get worked up over small matters. I don't know, man. I've seen I have seen a location manager get fired mm. because I was sitting next to the director and the location manager wasn't and they did something that the director didn't care for. And guess what? You're just gone. Yeah, you, yeah. It's pink slip. Cops can show up and go, well, you may have you may have uh, filed for this, but you didn't file for that, so you're missing a piece of paperwork, and you got to move those thirty trucks immediately. I know that you're a seventh degree black belt at anticipating that stuff. You have to have, in all these decades, been surprised by a cop once in a while, a, a, an unreasonable neighbor, that kind of thing. Handling situations that used to baffle us—is that what goes on <laughs> yeah. there? What's up? Every day. Well, don't uh, you get scared? I would get scared, I, man. I've been meditating for 30 years. So I, I was meditating before this job showed up. So it really helped. I wanted to teach a class called Location Management and Meditation because it's about the chaos in the job. I, I think you just named our episode, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the, it, the chaos in the job is uh, daily. In order to stay calm, I've had producers say, like, we just lost that location and you're calm. And I said, well, I can freak out and it'll take me twice as long to fix it or I can just get Great. on the phone and take care of it. And they would back away and uh, and let me take care of it. I always took I, – I, I was able to uh, take care of those things quickly because I was calm. Inside of me was crazy. Uh, oh, and, and oh, trying to get to I the see. calm. I mean, it, and it's crazy to the point of how many options do I have? What can I do if this happens? What can I do? So, I like you said before, I do a lot of this stuff before the job. I start, I mean, before we start filming, I do a lot of it in prep. Got to. And scouting, like what's plan B, what's plan C. So I usually oh, have something oh, wow. lined up. And I've lost locations for uh, for uh, uh, Syriana with uh, George Clooney and another uh, Sicario with Josh Brolin and Denny Villeneuve. Hey, a movie I'm familiar with. Go ahead, yeah, brother. <laughs> and uh, uh, and 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 I found options that were better every time, and I would get on it immediately um, to get it. So I wouldn't hesitate if I lost something. I saw that it was gone. I would talk to the producer and say, this is what's happening. And then I've got options because I've already gotten options to show them once I tell him because I, I I understand they want a solution. It reminds me of uh, the Civil War General Ulysses Grant was remarked on to have had what they called 4 a.m. courage. <laughs> he could, and, and he was a man who liked to 
bend an elbow, by the way. Yeah. But you could, yeah. you could you could yank him out of his bunk at 4 a.m. and go, here's what's happening now. And yeah. he would rub his eyes and fix it. Yeah. Now, That's... what was going on inside him? I, I've never thought about that part. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, because uh, there's a conflict, you know, and, and the conflict is the solution and the problem. So inside of me uh, lives the problem, but outside of me lives the solution. So I overcome the problem by taking actions. And, and, and that then calms the inside, uh, and I realize I'll be able to take care of it. So meditation helps. You're a pretty smart guy there, Todd. <laughs> I like the cut of your jib. Yeah, man. Um, can, you, can, you, uh, can you think of a, of, a, of a lively one where one day on set, lightning struck and you lost a you lost a location that just never should have happened that way well i mean the the sicario one is interesting because we did a tech scout at one, i have to ask one or two the number one okay uh with denny villeneuve we asked uh, uh we lost a location at the state fairgrounds in albuquerque as an entrance to a military base because the military would not deal with sicario um oh. they they wouldn't because i had to find places that look like military installations military bases military buildings uh, because the I couldn't use the military places um, they're not they weren't interested in, in mm. Sicario the only mm. one that I well a couple of them that I did dealt with the military but so we we looked at that they changed the date of when we were going to be there so I called the state uh, fairgrounds people and they said well that's the date we have the Appaloosa show and they're in those stables and, and you can't film there that day so I told the uh, producer, director, production designer, and then production designer jumped in with me, and we went and found a place uh, that was going to work because it was daytime and nighttime. So we had to do lighting, and there was a lot of details to it. The lawyer, the person that could sign off on it was on vacation. Oh, boy. So I found her, and she said, I can, I can get to the contract in a week. I said, I need it in two days. That was gone. So then I remembered... I had scouted a movie 10 years, no, eight years earlier uh, with a guy from the water department. I found his number. I, I called the film office. They told I'm, him, I'm sweating listening to the story. They My told God. me the guy, I got two days. They told me who the guy, you know, called him up and told him, my dilemma. And then I realized that the water department, Bernalillo Water Department down by Costco, that I would jump the fence. It's a lockdown place. Okay. You know? In order to get somebody's attention, that morning, before I went out, like at 7 in the morning, I got a call from that guy. And he said, listen, this guy Dave will be waiting for you. And I told him to give you whatever you want. <sighs> and it was because I created a relationship with that guy right. eight, 10 years earlier right. of respect. And he showed me the water department. He said, do you got time to go look at this? He said, this is a big deal that we're doing. I said, absolutely. So I went through the whole thing with him. We talked. We talked about his kids, my kids. You know what I mean? It's, of course I do. You make, you go out and you make friends. And, right. and so he remembered that and opened the door. And that was that was a location 10 times better than any of the other ones that I looked at. Uh, and they gave us carte blanche, you know, daytime filming, nighttime filming. Uh, going in, going out, remarkable. And the director was going like, how do you do this, man? You know? Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. And it's, again, I'm not, it's just a fact that if you're not, if you've never been part of this circus and TV particularly is, mm. movies have all the money in many cases. TVs have, uh, TV shows have, 
you got seven days to turn this some bitch around. Yeah. And and it's the the like an assistant director will turn to you and throw you say, How much do lawnmowers cost? And you're like, I, I actually don't know. Well, here's a thousand bucks. Go buy two or three of them. Yeah. And and so when the when the money hose is turned on Nobody's kidding around. Yeah. Now, beforehand, when you're trying to say, "Well, can I fly in Friday instead of Monday?" They're like, "That's an extra two hundred bucks. You can't have it." Yeah. But but when when uh, <laughs> when the live ammo is whizzing past your ears, hey, I want to bring this back to recovery. Yeah. I had a there was a venerated um, addiction physician in Los Angeles when I got sober in the early nineties, who was the medical director of my drunk school. I used mm-hmm. to once a week we'd get to do a Q and A with Doctor Dave. I'll never forget. Now I had. Five minutes sober. I didn't know my ass from third base. But he said, well, one of the earmarks of recovery is there will come a day when the the bullets are flying past you. Everybody around you is having a cow with good reason. And in the middle of it, you're still in calm. And you just kind of know it. You'll go, well, I get why everybody's having a spaz attack. And maybe I should be having one. But I'm cool. We'll get through this. So what the the interior life you kind of described to me reminded me of that and it is i don't know what it's like to not have an addict's brain because i was i I seem to have all i know i seen i left the factory with one so i you know a fish only they don't know what water's like they're just in it all the time um but i do feel like going from panicking over you know whether or not they have your kind of coffee at the restaurant to you're fine under some very trying, stressful circumstances, There's hundreds of thousands of dollars at stake. That's right. <clears throat> if you miss, if you if you miss anything up, even if you mess something up during the day, like the cops don't show up to close the road down or something like that, it's like twenty thousand dollars every ten minutes. That's right. Know, like, and and how do you reproduce that? If the film, there's a thing called a film break. It's a, it's a <laughs> this the little memory card has yeah. has like our life in it. You send it off halfway through the. The shooting day and at, at rap. Um, so and it's it's in a box like you would put a, a replacement liver in, you know, it's like yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. Is Fort Knox, but it's yeah. really just it's just a little yeah. thumb drive kind of deal in there. But if something happened, if you got in a fiery crash or, you know, you drop that thing in the Arroyo or whatever, you'd, yeah. you'd have to call back all that cast and crew and locations and you kind of can't so you have to re-edit it's nightmare yeah, I mean if you do it's about $350,000 for the shows that I was working on if you have to call anybody back but that never happened with right. me and and partly that thing I was talking about like I said I've been meditating for 30 years so that problem that fear that exists in me is alleviated by my actions so it starts as a scream you know inside and then while I'm taking the actions, it settles down, you know, and I think that's that's something that I try to take into my life, too, because I brought I brought my recovery into the job and in the job and in the pressures of the job that I said, uh, I can't solve a problem with a problem. I can only solve a problem with a solution. And so, How, you know what? Un, uh, but one unavoidable ingredient in this is you actually do care. Yeah. You really care. You're not like a, a postman that goes, well, truck broke down, can't deliver the mail today. I'm, who cares? I'm that's, walking. That's that's not us. I'm walking and yeah. delivering mail. Right. Yeah. There was a there was another one where there was a I told a producer on the Valley of Vila, uh, which was in Albuquerque at Christmas break. Uh, what if it snows? Because I said the first seven days of filming are all interior exteriors. 
He said, it's not going to snow. And I oh, said, Lord, what if it snows? He said, it's not going to snow. And if it's sn- and I said, what, what if it does? I mean, is there a backup plan? He said, uh, if it snows, it'll be two inches. It'll be melted by the afternoon. So we had the biggest snowstorm ever, oh, like in a hundred years or something. There was 12 inches, 18 inches in Santa Fe and Albuquerque where we were filming. There was 12 to 15 inches in different places. Never happens. And cold. So, you know, uh, the producer wouldn't answer my phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> the AD, the AD, the AD called me and said, "Todd, the producer wants us to figure it out." There was no trucks, city trucks, to deal with it. There were no shovels to buy. All the salt was taken. There was like, it looked and what's, like the, what's the scene? What are you trying to film? <clears throat> I'm trying to get into parking. I'm trying to just get gotcha. park the trucks. Understood. For for one, you know, and then the first one was interior, slight exterior. You could uh, you could throw uh, you could heat it. You know, yeah. And, or, yeah, with or those, hose those, down with those weed trimmer snow. deals that shoot flame. Yeah. yeah, yeah, could do one of those things, which we did all the way through the five days. So I'm overlooking at one of the parking lots that has 12 inches of snow, and I see a road grader. I mean, a, a, a lift. A, what do you call it? It's a a scoop up over a gate, over a fence. I saw it. I took off over after that place. Wow. I got in there. Told the guy. I said, I'm going to hire you for the next five days. <laughs> We got to talk to my boss. I went to his boss and he said, well, I can't do any work because there's too much snow. I lay concrete. So he said, yeah, you can hire the guy. So I hired the guy. I gave him a bunch of money. Right. He cleared all the lots out, did everything, hired him for five, six days. He loved it. She, we got him in there watching the filming. Sure. You know, anything to make everybody uh, they, happy. They, they call it cinematic and, immunity. And the producer's going like, <laughs> how did you do that? It was like those things you don't – like things like that, you don't even think of fear. You just – you're so moving forward to try to take care of you're the, a problem. You're the Sully Sullenberger of, of getting the shot. On it. <laughs> On it. I was shoveling. I was – I took my shovels down. You know, I was shoveling. I was doing everything I could to clear it. I'm part – I'm a hands-on guy. You know, I get up early – when I was doing the Coen Brothers movie, they said... I'm sorry, you dropped something there. Go ahead. Yeah. They said... Um, <laughs> they is this said, the Buster Scruggs? Whatever it's Buster Scruggs. Love that, Love that Buster Scruggs. Love it. They said, Todd, you can show up late. Your guys are the best, man. And I said, I'm just not built that way. Right. That's all. <clears throat> I showed up at five in the morning. I was there, you know, all day. It's, you know, I love it. You're like an old... Fire horse, you get the you get the whiff in your nostrils and you're back in the game. You've tried to walk away a few times. I, it doesn't work, does it? I try. It? I try. <laughs> now it gets it gets in you like junk. And I think we are adrenaline junkies. I am. Yeah. You know, I've done all that left field, but I've done bungee jumping over concrete and and uh, mm. my brother has an ultralight. We've gone over the mountains in a in a oh, rig wow. that would make most people cry to look at. And it's not because I'm brave. It's that. The, the amount of fun that goes through your body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's the same thing, you know, problem solving. I mean, that's basically what it is. Problem solving is exciting. Yes. And you're you engaged. Know? You're not yeah. You're not on cruise control, man. Yeah. You're thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, it's program approved. <laughs> it is, man. And it is. And, and the thing is, because it means that in, in moving from the problem to the solution, I'm of service to the production. I'm of service to the director. My whole thing was to not ever have the camera stop for any length of time because of me or my location or the things that I set up. Never happened. Well, uh, you said you'd built a relationship with somebody, and so 
on the day so Androcles and the lion, you'd pulled a thorn out a long, long time ago. And they're like, Todd, he's in. Give him yeah. what he needs. And Todd, between you and me, if you came running in here and said, I got to get to Albuquerque Airport, my car has a flat, I would toss you my keys and say, nice. try to get it back today. Try to have it full of gas and right. love you, pal. Right. There's no, there wouldn't be any. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're the guy I send for the ammunition. I don't worry about you, <laughs> period. Thanks. You know, it's it's true. And on a basic program level, I moved here to Santa Fe about 10 years ago, and you were the first person to call me mm -hmm. whom I had just met casually at a meeting, didn't know you from third base. And, you know, it's it, – it, in this day and age when the phone rings, you're like, is it bad news? What's going on? You don't, you don't know. You kind of flinch yeah, when, yeah. when it's a phone call. Don't don't you have any manners? Text me. What's the matter with you? And and uh, I picked it up. It was the Todd voice. Yeah, what, what's up? And you said, oh, I, I met you last week in a meeting and uh, just called to see how things are going. How, yeah. you, how you doing? How's your day going? And that's really all you wanted to know. <laughs> in, in your defense, you're a thoroughly good person, like right down to the bone. Mm. And, and that helps. When later on, uh, somebody's making a judgment call about whether to – what you said, maybe it was in another interview, you said – the guy said, I need somebody I can trust. Yeah, yeah. That you know, was, the, the way to be trustworthy is to be trustworthy. Well, he said, you, I need somebody that I can trust and you're good around people and you're creative. And so that – the other part, because I made art for a long time, I brought that creativity into the job. Creativity almost denies problems. You know, I mean, it's, it's a movement – it's movement through – those. I mean, it's like fear. You know, we talk about fear all the time, you know, and what's the best way to get through fear? I'll talk to Sherman or I'll talk to somebody else to get through it, to settle myself down yes. enough to walk through it. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. And to, reali to realize I've made it bigger than what it is. Oh, you know, my sponsor says, uh, what is it? If you, if you share their troubles, they get cut in half. You share your joys, they double. double yeah. And really, you know, it's, it sounds like something grandma would knit on one of those needlepoint deals, but it's so true when you put it in action. When grandma does that, I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's true, you know? And the other thing is that I never thought I'd paint. I wasn't sure if I'd paint again because of the requirements for the job, 12, 14-hour days, 16-hour days. You know, periods of time. The first two and a half years, I never stopped working. You know, I only right. only holidays because I want. I liked it. I wanted to learn the job. I wanted to be good at it. So, and it's the golden handcuffs. Your, your yeah. life is either uh, uh, time and no money, or money and no time. That was it. Yeah, that's right. That was it. Man. Thing that you did that that I wish to acknowledge to your face in case it slipped my mind, and mm -hmm. it's this: I don't know how many times in your life that when you were down and getting kicked in the nuts. Somebody had your back and stood up for you in a loud voice and said, now, nah, my boy, you know, I got him and you're wrong on this one. I got uh, to my astonishment. I got into a hassle with one of the unions and I'm I'm a lawyer. Mm. I've been in the union since rocks were soft. I'm every decent paycheck of my life has come from the union. I'm all in all in even. You know, I really feel that 1930s stuff and yeah, Jimmy man. Hoffa. I'm yeah, with all man. I'm with all of that. I'm, I'm not ignorant to the history and and. uh but some crooks at one particular union office, I got on their shit list, and it, it was rough going for a while. And when you threaten a man's livelihood, it's no joke. No. And you, <laughs> Clint Eastwooded me hard on that deal. You're like, if they're fucking with you, they're fucking with me. We got this. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And of course, as everything does, in line, what's that saying? It, it, it's all going to work out before it's over and if it hasn't worked out it's not over yet and and uh so but you gave me that not only kind words but you backed it up with action and you're a, you're a 
you swing a big stick in this town. So um, it, it uh, the, I, I can count on one hand the times in my life somebody really had my back when 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 I was being done dirt. Yeah. And uh, put it there. Thanks, man. Shake Thank my you. hand. Thank you. You know, I don't think we're going to have a better uh, out cue than that. Nice. Unless you got a showbiz joke for me. You got one? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I mean, uh, all, you know, the thing is, and, and Pamela, you know, reminds me of this, too. I'm a storyteller. So I'm not. A, I'm, you got jokes, man. You can tell them that you, you know, it's like my dad could tell jokes for days. You know what I mean? And he was a salesman. Um, but he also told stories. I'm a storyteller. You all know, right. I got stories. It's like the the Sicario thing. I got it. Went on Pearl Harbor. I mean, all the different movies. I could tell stories for hours of different things. Let me see. Jokes. Sicario. Here's one. This this happened. I was in the makeup chair. It was it was a long makeup trailer, a 50-footer, 53-footer probably. And, mm-hmm. and uh, from way down at the other end, I hear a, a fracas. Somebody's yelling and going off. But when you're when you're around actors, you don't know if they're doing a bit. You, right, you, right. you know, when when you hear a commotion from 50 feet away, it could it could be a goof. You don't know. But come to find out it was not a goof. And it was it was a, an actor who was torquing off on a, a technical advisor, the military movie, who was who was criticizing this guy's haircut for not being military. Not well, this guy's character was not in the military, but he chose this moment to explode. Yeah. And for the rest of the day on set, there was a bad taste in everybody's mouth because if you were within 50 feet of this actor, he was going to say, do you hear what a bull? You know, he's still justifying his stuff. Well, on the day, I'm sitting knee to knee with this guy on the sofa about to film our scene. This is a big movie. The camera's up my nose. And whenever there was a pause, this guy turned to me and he goes, did you hear that shit that happened in the makeup trailer this morning? And I had to like nod. You know, I couldn't just ignore him. And he looked at me and he said, you don't give a shit, do you? <laughs> and I looked him dead on and I said, I give you my word as a gentleman. I don't give a shit. And I went back to doing my job and he haw-hawed and patted me on the back. Yeah, and I was the only one he gave zero shit to for the rest of the day on set. So yeah, I don't know if that's yeah. a joke, but true tales from showbiz. I love you, my man. Thanks love for coming too. on the show. Thanks, See you, Thank you.